I am thrilled today to celebrate the career so far because it is nowhere near over of one of my favorite writers in all time heroines, the one, the only Candace Bush Mel. Many of you know that name as the creator of Sex in the City, which just so happens to be my favorite television show of all time, but her career is so, so, so much more than that. I actually had the opportunity to meet Candace in person back in 2019, pre-COVID, back when I was obsessed with going out and meeting authors when they were on book tours. It was a total passion of mine that I honestly should pick back up again. But anyway, I met Candace in Atlanta while she was on tour for her book, Is There Still Sex in the City?, which tackles the topic of dating in one's 50s. I told her about my dreams and she told me to pursue them vigorously. I did. And now here we are. I'll never forget how lovely she was. Well, we reconnected recently to do a retrospective and a celebration of her career, some very exciting parts of which are just beginning. So if you've been hearing the buzz lately, Candace is helming a reality dating show geared towards women in their 50s, which we talk about in today's episode. She actually had this idea before The Golden Bachelor became such a success. She's also starring in a one-woman show called True Tales of Sex, Success, and Sex in the City, say that five times fast, where Candace shares her remarkable stories of New York City, fashion, literature, and of course, sex. It's basically an onstage memoir right before your very eyes. You can go to CandaceBushnell.com for the remaining show dates. and I hope she adds more dates in 2024. Candace has as much going on as ever and is as relevant as ever. I have followed her career since the aughts, not only because Sex and the City was and is my favorite television show, have I said that enough already, but because I fell in love with her works of fiction as well. Candace, of course, is known as the real-life Carrie Bradshaw or the OG Carrie Bradshaw. Notice that both have the initials of CB. Candace created Carrie as her alter ego while writing her column for the New York Observer, Sex in the City, that launched it all. She created the alter ego because she didn't want her parents to know that she'd just been to a sex club. Her column ran from 1994 to 1996. Prior to that, she moved to New York City at age 19 and sold a children's story, which was ultimately never published, to Simon & Schuster. She was a freelance journalist before landing at the New York Observer in 1993, and of course, everything changed when the column became such a hit. In 1996, her Sex and the City columns were published in an anthology, which was also called Sex and the City. And then in 1998, the HBO show launched and ran for six seasons until 2004 and has resulted in two movies in the current show and just like that. In the aughts and beyond, Candace published several international and New York Times bestselling novels, Four Blondes, which is probably my favorite of her books, though I love them all. That came out in 2000. Trading Up, released in 2003. Lipstick Jungle, which came out in 2005 and was later made into a fantastic television show of its own, One Fifth Avenue in 2008, then her young adult books, The Carrie Diaries and Summer in the City, which came out in 2010 and 2011, respectively, and The Carrie Diaries 2 was made into a television show. In 2015, her novel Killing Monica was released, and in 2019, the aforementioned Is There Still Sex in the City, which is nonfiction. In 2020, a work of young adult fiction, Rules for Being a Girl, was released, and today we talk about it all, including how she does it as a writer of both fiction and nonfiction, which is something incredibly difficult to do. I'm so excited that she's here, and I'm so excited that you get to listen in. Take a listen. Candice, what an honor to have you here today to celebrate your career. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So you have written nonfiction. You have written fiction. I would like to know as someone who's never even attempted fiction, how different are those two processes and what do they look like? Or how do you structure writing both? Well, you know, I only ever wanted to write fiction Mm -hmm. and that was always my goal since I was a little kid, since I was probably about eight years old and I only thought I would write fiction And I actually thought that somehow I would move to New York and start writing novels and they would be published. (laughs) Um, And, you know, uh, uh, then I moved to New York and I realized that, you know, unless you really have the right connections, et cetera, or you have parents that are, going to pay for you and support you, Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to be writing fiction. Yeah. If you want to earn a living. So that was really what made me go into journalism. Mm -hmm. And actually, I mean, I started writing for women's magazines and I, I started, I did do some you know, journalist journalism pieces. Like I, I wrote about microwaves. I, I would write about anything mm-hmm. early on because yeah, I needed the money. Right. And I hear I that. Really, you know, I really, I felt like that's how you could call yourself a writer if you did it for a living. Because, mm-hmm. you know, New York is a place where a lot of people say, I'm a writer. Well, do you make money at it? Right. Is it a job? Right. Um, otherwise, it's kind of a hobby. Um, but so I started writing for women's magazines. Number one, because I was funny. And yes. women's magazines back in the 80s were one of the few places where you could write humor, believe it or not. Yeah. And, you know, women's magazines were very different in the 70s and the 80s mm-hmm. than they are now. Um And also I wrote a lot about relationships and I I really was writing short stories, but they were under the guise of journalism. I mean, we would throw in a couple of uh, quotes from shrinks, but all of those stories were really precursors to Sex and the City. Mm -hmm. So Sex and the City did not come out of nowhere. Sex in the City was really the accumulation of all the work I'd already been doing for 15 years, which right. is something that people don't understand. Um, but sex, you know, the the structure of Sex in the City, none of that was new to me because I, I'd already developed that when I was in my 20s and working for women's magazines. Mm-hmm. And I had developed this particular style of, I was really writing fiction as journalism, Mm-hmm. because I wanted to write fiction. Uh, and I was writing fiction all through my 20s. Um, so it really, you know, and there's a freedom in writing fiction. It always came very naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So it has never come naturally to me. I wish it did. And by the way, I just spent the last couple of weeks reading all of your books. All I think there's eight of them. And I forgot how much I love Janie Wilcox and like it's just all of your characters. They are just so 
fantastic. And I am actually rereading right now, sex in the city, the book, which is a compilation of the columns, of course, but you know, you have abundant success now as any freelance writer knows those early years are so tough. What would you say to yourself, Candace, at your darkest moment, wondering if this writing career would ever pan out for you? Well, I had those really dark moments and, you know, there were times when people said you should stop writing and you should give up. And I was just so determined not to. And I I don't really know where that came from. I mean, that just comes from someplace inside you Mm -hmm. and it's not really about advice it's it's a drive and a passion that you either have or you don't Mm -hmm. and when I first came to New York I went to acting school and I realized that the people who are in acting school had this passion for writing for acting like they felt if they weren't actors they were going to die and I didn't feel that way, Mm -hmm. but I felt that way about writing. So it's pretty black and white. You either feel that way about writing, like you have to do it or you're going to die. And if you don't feel that way, don't do it. It's not worth doing. You don't make enough money. It's too difficult. Writing a novel is probably, you know, now that you know, time has passed, et cetera. I, and I, I'm doing a one woman show. I know. I, I want to see you in West in Palm beach so bad. I'm going to try to make that happen. Great. But you know, I've realized that writing a novel is probably one of the hardest artistic things that you can do. Yes. It's harder than acting. Yes. You know, acting can be physically difficult because maybe you're outside and it's cold and rainy Mm -hmm. or, you know, actors are always like, I'm exposed, I'm scared. (laughs) But, you know, they don't have to come up with an original character's ideas. They don't have to play every character, come up with all the dialogue and the plot. Totally. You know, That's why I've I, never I, done fiction because I just don't have the brain for it. And I, and I'm a professional writer. I love what I do, but I just, I find it so compelling that you can do both because, you know, to do, to be great at one is enough, but to be able to do both. So, well, I mean, you wanted to be a fiction writer. It was your nonfiction. It was your journalism, sex in the city, your call for the New York observer that ran from 1994 to 96 that that is what you know maybe you're perhaps most known for but you're but yet you're in your soul a fiction writer and a prolific one I've got to stop you yeah because sex in the city was really fiction that's true that's true so I I was really writing it as it was a serial novel I I mean it was um it was when I found you know, I did the same thing with Sex in the City that I did with all those stories that I'd done in my 20s for women's mm-hmm. magazines about mm-hmm. relationships. So it was really fictionalized journalism, yeah, as I used to call it. So it wasn't, you know, for me, it was just a step mm-hmm. getting a book published and then after Sex in the City, I wrote Four Blondes, which was basically which is my favorite of your books. That is my number yes, one. Yes, it's just pure 
evil. And no good. Uh, you know, I mean, at that time, of, co of course, when it came out, that was when Amazon first started coming out. And I think it had like two stars on Amazon. People were really upset by those characters. And they really? were really upset by the characters in trading up. Janie Which I also up. love. And, um, you know, and the, Jungle, all of it. All yeah. Of it. The, you know, audiences are, you know, they really get upset about that non-likable characters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was really what drove me. And, you know, now that writing has changed so much, I, I have so much less interest in doing it. Because yeah. you can't really, I mean, to me, being a fiction writer would, was is really about challenging people, challenging women in their beliefs about the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And one, it feels like one can't really do that anymore. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit like, what's the point? Yeah, no kidding. I want to, I'm going to ask you about your one woman show in just a minute, but you know, I'm thinking now we're sitting here at the end of 2023. You've been at this writing game for a long time. Would you change anything about your career or your characters, be it Carrie Bradshaw, Janie Wilcox, any of them knowing what you know now? No, I wouldn't change any of it, but sometimes when I look back on my career, and I see I had a lot of opportunities to be on TV and I didn't pursue it. Like mm -hmm. now when I look at the landscape, I see that being on TV is really important these days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, being the face of your product is really, really important. I mean, we see that on Instagram, TikTok. Mm -hmm. You know, the world has really changed in that way. So when I look back, I think, oh, you know what? I should have been on TV. I should have been writing, you know, TV shows for myself, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of that. But the reality is that I really loved writing novels and I really thought I was going to win the Pulitzer Prize. Well, your life's really not over did. yet. Your life is not over. This can still happen. No, that it's never going to happen. They give those, you know, I, I, you know, we all understand how political that is. Yeah. And we understand, you know, they're never going to, you know, I, I mean, I don't even think the publishing world takes me very seriously. Well, that's, that's you know, their loss. That's it's, their loss. It's a, you know what? It's a dismissive political business where people mm -hmm. are full of a lot of hot air, which I just don't have the tolerance for, unfortunately. I hear. But, you know, that's, you know, that's one of the realities of the publishing business. It's very stratified. It's very, very judgy. Um, you know, readers are, are very judgmental mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to deal with all of that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's changed. Well, I want to talk about TV. You mentioned that just a second ago. I mean, obviously Sex and the City became a hit show. I think one of the main things through this episode that I want to just stress is that, yeah, Sex and the City is great, but that is not all that you've done. And in fact, I prefer some of your other work to that. Um, Lipstick Jungle and The Carrie Diaries are two other books of yours that become that became hit shows. And so I read that One Fifth Avenue, which I also love, this is that came out, I think, in the in the aughts at, at some point. I love that book. It has been optioned to become a show. Do you have any updates on that front that you can share? 
No, I mean, it was optioned a couple of times. Everything's optioned a couple of times, but mm -hmm. whether or not it happens is a very, very different story. I mean, Hollywood mm -hmm. kind of options everything because they do, and it doesn't cost them very much money to option something. Mm -hmm. It might cost them 5000 It might cost them $25,000. Um, but whether or not it will happen depends on is there a producer who actually knows what they're doing, mm -hmm. who has a passion for the work? Is there, you know, is there somebody who can write a teleplay? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, it's all, I mean, there's so many unknowns and, you know, almost 90% of what people set out to do in Hollywood, it's probably 95% just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's not, you know, people think like, oh, TV and movies, it's an easy business. No, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, there are people who it's so common to, you know, a movie's been made and you talk to the writers and they'll say, we've been working on this for 10 years, Yep, 10 years, mm -hmm. 15 years. I mean, that's, that's kind of normal scenario mm -hmm. which is a little frightening you know I mean people mm -hmm. you you know you can go for a long time trying and trying in that business and you know not making a dime that's yeah. why there was a writer strike yep 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 you know absolutely. so these are they're all tough businesses like publishing is a tough business you're really doing it on spec mm -hmm. unless you have you know, a magazine, a regular kind of job like you do. Yeah. Otherwise it, you're doing it on spec. Which is so scary. And I've been a freelance writer before and it's, it's terrifying. I mean, and you are truly hustling for every dollar that you make. It's, it's tough. And that's what I completely agree with you that if it is not your total passion, I'm talking about writing right now, if it is not your total passion, if you can't live a day without it, that then don't do it because it's too hard, no, you know, it's and, too hard. It's yeah. too, it's too uncertain. And I mean, I would say to people, go, go be some kind of banker. <laughs> really have some stability, get, like get make sure money. That you can make your money. <laughs> no, it's like, get the money really. Yes. 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 And, it, you know, if you don't make money and you're not successful at it, where are you going to be when you get to be older? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty yeah. scary, too, because, you know, creative careers, they also, they have a shelf life. Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody can keep being creative and coming up with ideas into their 60s. You yeah. know, most people are they're pretty done at around mid-50s, 60s. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wondering, is there a work of you? I have my favorite. I've already told you what my favorite was, and that's Four Blondes. But is there a work of yours that you are the most proud of? And I'm I'm wondering if you, if so, then why that work? Well, I would say Four Blondes, but also, you know, Trading Up. Yeah. And Jamie Wilcox was one of the characters in Four Blondes. And that was, and Trading up is really a tour de force. Yeah, it is. Uh, I just read that at the hair salon actually not long ago. And it's a long book. I mean, Good. I think it's 150,000 words. 
you never, your publishers, they don't even want a book that, that is that long. They want a book that's 80,000 words these days. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that book was really inspired by Edith Wharton. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, all of Edith Wharton and all of the great books about society um, that were written in, in the 1800s and, and, you know, the early 1900s. So, you know, those books were really, really my inspiration. And I love those books about society. It's really women versus society. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that book, it really captures New York in the late nineties and 2000. It does. It's a definitely a snapshot in time for sure. And, you know, that book should be a six-part miniseries. You know, Please like do that. Please do that. I would love you that. Know, it, it's, 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 it's almost impossible to get anybody in Hollywood interested. They're just, they're not interested in that kind of stuff. If I could I don't write know why. in the world, it would be four blondes. I, I've never written a screenplay and I probably never will. But if I could write any teleplay in the world, it would be four blondes. No question. I want well, to see who would play Janie Wilcox. I want to see who would play Janie Wilcox. I like, I, I'm, I, I would love to see that come, character come to life. You know, I've had a couple of actresses read the book mm-hmm. and you know what they said? What's that? There's nothing likable about the character. Couldn't you make it so that she like rescues dogs? Because, <laughs> but why know, do I, we have to be likable as women? You know, that's the whole that's the whole point, I think. Well, she Janie Wilcox is in particular not a likable character. And Correct. she's a narcissist. She's a true narcissist and a true borderline personality. True. And she's like a lot of women who I see who come to, you know, they're young, they're beautiful, they're hustling, you know, they come to cities like New York and LA to make it. Mm-hmm. And they sort of don't really have a soul. And they, you know, they use men and they destroy men. And I really knew a couple of women like that. They have mental issues. <laughs> so. Sure. But men do that to women all the time, destroy them. And yes. we don't say that about men. We don't ever say, "Oh, he's so unlikable." I, he has the, he has to rescue dogs or something, and that leads to my next question. So, all, basically, all of your work centers around powerful women. So, why is this important for you to write about? Because so many of your characters, Janie to Carrie to all of them, are powerful, and I think it's and especially back when you were right, like in the '90s and the aughts. It, we can get away with things now that we're just not done. And you really were a trailblazer for the powerful woman, but the powerful single woman who was taking care of herself 20, 30 years ago. Why is it important to you to write about powerful, independent women? Because I think it's really important that we have powerful, independent women in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really, we really, really need women's voices and women's perspective and we need women in positions of power yes to make the world a better place and it's absolutely critical and you know it's really been my mission since I was a little girl I mean I grew up in the 60s 
which was really the 60s and 70s, which were a very, very sexist time. Mm-hmm. More sexist than it is today, but almost unbearably sexist. And, you know, I really felt like that was my mission in life to try to do something about this sexism. Yeah, and you did I, it. You did and it. I, I think I've helped a bit. You have, you have. Um, which is important and I and I keep pushing I keep trying um and that's yeah and thank you I don't know it's it's important to me because it's my mission Mm -hmm. it's my mission from God really I'm just saying that in a facetious way sure but it's that kind of drive really it's your purpose it's your purpose so So many writers, including myself, as I told you offline, look up to you. So Edith Wharton, you mentioned a minute ago, is there anyone else that you still do or did look up to and some exemplars for you as you began your career? Uh, Well, yes, probably, you know, all of the classics, you know, not Mm -hmm. all, not all women writers unfortunately because there there weren't so so many of them but um you know all of the classics like Madame Bovary and mm-hmm. and Trollope Vanity Fair um you know I like a lot of Muriel Spark mm. Muriel Sparks yes I think she's she's passed on now um but really all of those books about society yeah i was just fascinated by mm-hmm. and those were always inspirational i mean dickens maybe in a way but his he's so like purple prose <laughs> uh you know it's like every woman is like oh father i love you so much <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, in New York, we're a lot more cynical than that. Oh, my God. Um, And there's a Don Powell. Okay. Who actually writes brilliantly about New York, who was, you know, a bit undiscovered, never really made any money. Uh, Yeah, I'm not familiar. Yes. She wrote all about New York. The locusts have no king. She wrote about New York society. She didn't ever, she didn't have any money. Um, you know, Dorothy Parker to some extent, although she never really wrote fiction. She just wrote mm-hmm. little ditties here and there. Yeah. But you know, Don Powell was really like the, you know, the novelistic equi- equivalent of, of um, what's her name? I just said her name. This is what happens when you get old. <laughs> Dorothy Parker. Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. Well, as we begin to close our time together, which I hate because I could talk to you forever, but you have so much going on. So there's, I've read, I think in the Hollywood reporter or variety somewhere that there is a, an unscripted dating show coming our way that you are at the helm of, of course, this one woman show, which I'm going to do everything in my power to try to see in January. So what? Yes. In in January, I'll be at the Kravis Center, mm-hmm. uh, January 26th, 27th, and 28th. And I will then put all of that do... information in the intro or outro. So we'll make sure to cover that. Fantastic. And 
And then I am working on a reality show, which I actually was already working on before The Golden Bachelor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been trying to do something on TV for women over 50, mm -hmm. loosely based on my book, Is There Still Sex in the City? Yep, and, which is great. You know, it's, it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult to, you know, a lot of the executives in Hollywood are very young. If you have a pitch meeting with somebody who's over 40, you're lucky. Um, they tend to be quite young and, mm -hmm. you know, over 50 isn't really a demographic. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that that is changing. And because the Golden Bachelor has been so successful, they're open to it. And they're realizing like, whoa, this is a demographic we need to represent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, absolutely. And, Especially and, as baby boomers are in that demographic now, and that's such a large part of the population, right? And so well, they want to really see that. Gen Z. It's really Gen X. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's you know, it's the tail end of the baby boomers and and Gen X. It's Gen X who are like fifty. They're in their late forties to late fifties. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, early sixties. Mm-hmm. So, so what can you tell us about this show, just high level? And then I want to also hear basically a summation of what the one woman show is all about. Cause I really want my listeners to check both out when, um, when the show comes out and then you're on the road starting, I think back in January. So tell us about both of those projects. Those are exciting. Yes. Well, the one woman show is in a lot of ways, it's the origin story of sex in the city mm -hmm. it's how i created sex in the city how hard i worked to get there why i invented carrie bradshaw and what happened to me afterward yes. and we play a little game real or not real yes i cannot wait to see that oh my gosh so many things that happened in the tv show happened in my real life but they were better or worse mm -hmm. and you know and then it's it is literally mixed in with some of my life story and a couple of naughty little sex stories. So I, I've got to make really it fun. Got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I've had a great response from the audience. People mm -hmm. seem to love it and they find it inspiring. Yep. So it's, it's really very rewarding. And then, um, you know, in terms of the reality dating show, it's a little bit too early to talk about it. Sure. So, we know, just know it's happening. Yes. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, it's, it's still in the early stages. So mm -hmm. hopefully I can't wait for that. Lost. I can't wait for that. And, you know, do you have any more stories to tell? Do you have another book in you or are, is television and other projects going to be the way forward from now on? You know, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll see what comes up. I mean, I have a couple of TV projects that I want to work on. And, you know, I also still have a two book contract. So yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll see how long I live. <laughs> I hope 
a very long time. And my last question for you, Candace, this is such a delight. You don't even know, but when readers close your books, be it Lipstick Jungle or Killing Monica or One Fifth Avenue, whatever it is, what do you hope they walk away feeling? Well, you know, I like to say that, I mean, I don't feel like books really have a message, mm-hmm. but you know, I think Brett Easton Ellis really said it the best. He said he reads fiction to find out how somebody thinks, mm. you know, to get a different perspective. And I, what I hope is that women will get a different perspective on the way women think. Yeah, that's, you know? that's I mean, that's, that's really my goal is to, you know, open up women's minds as to how you can think about life. And also to have a pretty clear view of life and what it's about. Yeah. Now it's, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like women get, we get really sucked into this idea of romance and Mm -hmm. that's going to feed us. And I think that's a big mistake. Yeah. Well, your books have changed my life. I've read you since I was in high school and I will continue to read you as long as you're writing such an honor to have you here today. I hope 2024 is your best year yet. And thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Somehow I have the feeling that the best of Candace's work is still yet to come. Although her entire career has been absolutely fantastic. Don't forget to check out CandiceBushnell.com for more information on her one-woman show and stay tuned as well to news about this developing reality show. Well, friends, it's almost Christmas. Our episodes, as you know, drop on Mondays and Thursdays and Monday is Christmas Day. So there will not be an episode that day, but it will come out on Tuesday, December 26th instead. I have yet another extremely special guest. I'm going to give you a hint. She has been on the cover of September Vogue. She is a fashion designer committed to making a difference. And to find out who, you'll have to join me next week. Have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday. And I'm excited to continue season nine with you. Mm-hmm.